you love Jesus? If you don't love him, do you, the rest of you, do you like him a little bit? Good. Well, you're in the right place. So uh, if you want to take your Bibles and turn into 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we'll get there in just a minute. I don't know if you know this or not, but it is a new year. Woohoo! Yeah, 2016, another year older, amen? Don't get so excited. How many of you made New Year's resolutions? Three of you. How many of you have broken them already? None of you. Oh, that's impressive. That's impressive. Usually by now they're all broken and gone and we've given up. New Year brings a great opportunity for us to look back on last year to learn, uh, to excite, be excited and joyful over the victories we've had. Amen. Anybody had any victories over the last year? Some good things happen? You have some rough things happen too? Yeah, we've all got things we can celebrate and things we can learn from. Amen. It's a good, year, good time of the year to reflect and consider. And uh, a lot of people will make resolutions and make plans to make improvements upon themselves. A uh, desire to maybe lose some weight. A desire to grow spiritually. A desire to uh, maybe start running or maybe start this or that. Or maybe to learn a trade or a hobby or something. People will set goals for themselves and have an opportunity to begin working on these things together. So... Today, I want to start a series called Building a New You. Now, it's not a five-step plan, but it's a five-step plan. You know what I'm saying? Today, we're not going to talk about the other steps, the other stuff we're going to talk about the next week. Today, we're just going to start talking about the beginning. Listen, you've got to start somewhere. Amen? If you're going to start something new, you've got to start. Right? You can't just talk about it. You've got to start. And I realize and I know and understand that this time of year, people, some people will desire to walk closer with God this year than they did last year. Some people actually make it a goal to, to read more than they did. You know what I'm doing this year? Well, losing weight? Yes? No. I, well, not yet, but I will. <laughs> uh, you can't break something you hadn't started yet. But anyway, I, something I've never done before, and I've done it. I've read through the Bible lots of times. I just have never sat down and, and purposefully and, and uh, you know, done it in a year. So I'm reading through the Bible in a year. I may finish before the year's up probably, but, but I just, I've never actually just done that. You know what I'm saying? So I thought, I always hear people talk about it, and I thought, I've never really done that. I like to read. When I read the Bible, I just like to read really slow uh, because um, I read in King James, and it does slow you down a little bit. No, I'm just kidding. I do read King James, but I, I read the Bible and I like to read it, think about it, read it again, think about it, read it, think about it. I like to take short segments of Scripture and just absorb it and think about it and pray about it. And the Lord's pressing me to do this whole read the Bible in the ear thing. And I'm thinking, God, I don't want to do that. I want to go slow. I want to think about you. So I'm reading the Bible in a year. And it's been good. <laughs> Isn't it funny when you obey God, He does cool things with it. So I'm seeing some things that I've not seen before, and, and uh, the Lord's confirmed in me that it's okay, Bob. You can read a little faster than you normally do, and, and it'll be okay. I said, okay. So one of my goals this year for the church is, is to uh, work on the internal structure of who we are and uh, more ad- to help us uh, more adequately convey the gospel, um, raise up leaders, impact our city, impact the cities around us, those kinds of things. But as we look here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we see where Paul talks about building a little bit, beginning in verse 8. It says, The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. 
By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it, but each one should be careful how he builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is. Because the day will bring it to light, it will be revealed with fire, and fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what has been what is built survives, he will receive his reward. If it bur- if it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. You are the field of God. You are the building of God. God has a plan for you. God, and when I say plan for you, everybody says God has a plan for me. That means they think, oh, I'm supposed to win the lottery. You didn't win it, did you? <laughs> Nobody did. Save your money. Give it to the church. Uh, waste it that way. Your $2. Listen, the people talk about God has a plan. God has a plan. Listen, God's plan for you is to grow you up. God wants to develop you. He wants to build you. And what Paul's talking about here is he said, listen, there's a lot of teachers, a lot of different people that are establishing things. There's a foundation that's set. There's only one foundation, Jesus Christ, and others are building on it. They're, they're doing a work. In our church, we have a lot of different people working in a lot of different areas that are building our church. We have taking place right now, Children's Church, Pastor Carla and her team are working, building those children up. We, we know what's happening right now, even over here in the nursery and in these other two rooms. The ministry that's taking place happens on Wednesday and, and other times throughout the week that God is consistently building people and and it's taking place spiritually in their life as other people pour and teach. It's not all about me, folks. Amen? It ain't all about just my teaching. Some people have got some good stuff to add into your life that I don't have. So it's a good thing and it's important, but it all has to be tested. It all has to be approved. But I will tell you this. Do you know that it weighs on me? Your spiritual health weighs on me. If I don't see people growing in grace, if I see the same cycle of sin over and over and over in people's life, if I see people with the same habitual problems that they've had their entire lives, it weighs on me. God, what am I doing? Listen, don't, don't judge me. I know all of us have children, and sometimes some of us have said these words, Lord, where did I go wrong? And there's times where I look out and I said, Lord, have I not said it? Have I not taught it? Have we not... So in light of these things, that weighs on me. The, the Lord begins to work on my heart and says, Lord, how can we do this better? I want to make sure that people are involved, people are connected, people are hearing the truth, that they're being built upon. Listen, I want us to be, I want every one of us to be the type of person that, that uh, well, for example, Margaret just went to be with Jesus. And I, I looked in Margaret's eyes, I'd flirt with Margaret. I'm going to miss flirting with Margaret on Thursdays. Margaret laid in that bed, God love her, she was there for 11 plus years laying in that bed in the nursing home, and I would come out there and I would tell her how beautiful her shirt is. Oh, you've got purple on today. Oh, I love purple. And uh, I'd wake her up and tell her I just had to see her beautiful eyes, and she'd just smile and do this, rub her forehead, give her a kiss on the forehead before I left. But Margaret and I had all these conversations about heaven. Margaret wanted to go to heaven. And, uh, and she wanted to be here, too. But I rejoiced when I heard Margaret got to go home. Because that's where Margaret wanted to be. I want all of us to leave that, this world with that same type of confidence. I've seen it hundreds of times over. I don't, I don't want us to... 
you know, have to get up at somebody's funeral and say, well, they, they were here sometimes and, you know, they, I, I think they love Jesus and um, they weren't real sinful, <laughs> you know, as a, as, as, as a pastor would say something like that at a funeral, you know what I mean? No, you expect us to lie the whole time. So I worry about the structure of the church. I worry about, God, are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? And the foundation is Christ. And the foundation we build upon is the great commission and the great commandment. Go into all the world, preach the gospel. And we build upon that. And we build upon how do we go preach the gospel? By loving God and loving our neighbor. And we know that those two things are necessities together. And I ask myself all these kinds of questions about, well, how's our discipleship making process look? And how do we move a new convert from being lost to saved and disciple to mature? and released into ministry and how are we, are we holding people accountable to Bible study, prayer, giving, service, etc. and so on. Is there a systematic plan for somebody to be saved and developed and turned into a man or woman of God? So in light of all of this stuff, as I have weighed these things, there are some things that I want to teach you today and over the next five weeks after today that I feel like are in place for us, that if we will just take advantage of those things that are there, the Lord will use them as tools to help grow us. Does anybody want to be spiritually further along next January than they are this January? Hallelujah. Awesomeness. Everybody say awesomeness. One, two, three. That's what I'm talking about. It's awesomeness. I'll have to find out what that was all about later. <laughs> Hopefully it wasn't a new marriage fight or anything like that. So let me guess, she said it wasn't a word, right? Exactly. It's a word. <laughs> Women are always saying it's not a word. See, you come to our men's Sunday school class and you learn all kinds of great things. It's a word. Awesomeness is a word. Thank you, Denny, for enlightening us today. Listen, if you're going to be stronger in Christ next year than you are this year, you've got to take a step. You've got to make a decision. You can't just vocalize that decision. You've got to do something. I can tell you a hundred times over, uh, this time next year, I'm going to be down to 185 pounds. Some of you say, down? Listen, folks, that's like 65 pounds away from now. And some of you would look at me and laugh and say, what? I could say it all I want to, but if I never took a step of action to start down that path, it's not going to happen. We have got to make a decision. And the decision, what follows the decision is an action that confirms my decision. Some of us may be here today, they've never made the decision to say, I'm going to follow Jesus. Some of us have called ourselves Christians, but we've never actually had an action that followed the word. Am I serving God? What does my life look like? Is there a, a response? If there was, if somebody tried to convict me as a Christian, would there be enough evidence there? We've got to make the decision. In January, I have to think about this statement, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. We have to take a step. Do you know uh, people are afraid of gyms? I'm afraid of gyms. There was a time in my life when I was younger, I wasn't afraid of gyms. Now I'm afraid of gyms. I used to be the guy with the weightlifting gloves and the stuff. You know what I'm saying now? Now the only weight I carry around is this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> 
People are scared of gyms. You know, they say, well, I'm going to make a change in myself. I'm going to get me a gym membership. I'm going to go to the gym. Gym. They don't want to go to the gym because that guy's there. You know, the one, the guy with the, hey, how you doing? His legs are this big around. He's got the bird legs because everybody knows no guys like to work legs. And, and Justin, as I was preparing this this week, I saw you put on Facebook something about leg day and it's killing him. And he was working his legs out and I just went, yep. Because all guys hate to work their legs, don't we? It's impossible. We don't like it. So you go to the gym and there's guys, their legs is this big around, 30 inch waist, 50 inch chest, 36 inch neck. That ain't right. Where did that guy come from? Hey, how you doing? I said, yo, what? Hey, I'm going to put, he, you know, the guy, he's not, he's not balanced physically because he has three workouts he enjoys and he's good at them and those are the only ones he'll do. Hey, I'm going to put 500 pounds on the bench press. You think you can come over and spot me? Now let's go to the chalkboard here real quick, all right? You put 500 pounds on that. Okay. All I am is the closest guy to you when you kill yourself. That's basically what that means. <laughs> So we don't want to go to the gym because this guy is standing in front of the mirror flexing and he's got that vein in his neck, that 36-inch neck, and you think, is there anything going up here? So nobody wants to make the step to go to the gym because we don't want that. Did you know the church has the same kind of stigma about it? Some people, sometimes the new year, they say, I'm going to do this with myself. I'm going to make a, a new start. I'm going to make a new beginning, a fresh start. Maybe I ought to go to church. Yeah. You got people there that are out of balance. You know, they, they, they hold on to this cardinal doctrine and they scream and yell at everybody that comes in. You know those, those commercials where they have a, um, is it Planet Fitness where they say lunk alerts or whatever? Because people, you know what that is? It's the guy in spandex with the tight shirt that walks around, sticks his nose in everybody's business and tells them that their form's wrong and then stands in front of the mirror just picking up heavy weights just to show himself off. That guy, you know what? They don't want those kinds of Christians in their lives either. I'm so much better than you. You know, you're doing everything wrong. I'm doing everything right. You're, listen, and they can look at you and see that your life is out of balance too. People don't want to come to church because they get stressed out about those things. Listen, if you, if you are a person who wants to make a new beginning in your life and you want to serve God and you want to be stronger next year than you are this year and you haven't served Him well, you haven't served Him at all or you haven't served Him well last year, listen to me. Make a step. Make the decision. Commit to it and say, I'm going to follow God relentlessly at all costs. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter who I am. It doesn't matter what has happened today, this day. I'm going to make a step forward and I'm going to make a change. I'm going to surrender myself to God and I'm going to live out His Word to the best of my ability. Yes, I'm going to make mistakes. Yes, my form's going to be off. Yes, I'm going to have trouble. But every part of my life, I'm going to figure out the best I can to be transformed through the renewing of my mind. Stop conforming to the lazy spiritual attitude of this world and give myself over completely to the Word of God and to the Spirit of God to do a work in my life. If you will do that, if you will do that, God will transform you. If you will take that step, that commitment, I, I get excited when somebody says, you know, Pastor, I, I feel like I need to clean this up. I need to clean that up about my life. I need to do this better. Listen, if anybody has any kind of a moral desire to improve themselves, a godless person, I'm not talking about a Christian, anybody outside of Christ that needs or wants to improve, well, I need to clean up my language. I need to stop this. I need to stop that. That is the Spirit of God drawing them to Christ. 
Jesus said, if I be exalted, we just talked about that, I will draw men unto me. We know that when God draws people, they begin to see something in their life. Listen, it's a miracle when somebody who has never had a moral standard suddenly has a moral standard and realizes, I need to do something different. Christian, don't stop them. Encourage them and point them to Jesus Christ. He is the only foundation, Paul says. He is the first foundation that can be laid. Don't stop them. Don't slow them down. Help them in. If that's you, my friend, we're going to talk about it more here in a minute, but if that's you, take the step today with me. You don't have to get cleaned up. People say, well, I don't want to go to the gym until I'm like in shape. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to be on the treadmill and running, dying to death and walking pace with some dude next to me like, dude, you okay? You all right? At full speed. I don't want that. But how silly is it for me to think I have to get in shape to go to the place to get in shape? It's kind of like saying I'm dirty and I need to take a shower, but I don't want to offend the shower, so I'm going to clean up and then go. Listen, Jesus... Paul said this in 1 Timothy. He says, here's a trustworthy saying in verses 15 and 16. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display His unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on Him and receive eternal life. Somebody say worst. Worst. He was the worst of sinners. I saw this bumper sticker this week on somebody's car that said, very plainly, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. I wish they would have finished the statement and put it on their car. Of whom I am the worst. If I got it, I'd be like, man, can I get the rest of the verse? Because that's awesome. I'm the worst of sinners. You ain't going to find anybody worse than me, Paul says. Listen, if you want Jesus, you can be, I'm the worst. And he saved me. It don't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you were. Jesus Christ can set you so free, you don't ever have to go back can absolutely transform you, absolutely awaken your spirit, absolutely change your countenance, the look in your eyes, the words that come out of your mouth, how you carry yourself. He is able. Paul knew this. He said, I know because I was the worst of sinners. Now look at me. There's hope for you. There's hope for you. I challenge you to take this first step. Secondly, To the rest of us in the room, some of us need to be delivered. Some of us need to be delivered. We we not only have to take the first step, some of us need to backtrack, get back to where our first step was and get it figured out again. I'm not talking about losing salvation. I'll give you another example. Some people, a lot of times, they'll get, in January, they'll say, I'm going to get excited, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to start exercising. I'm going to get in better shape. So they get their gym membership. Some of them make it to the gym for a little bit and get comfortable and then drift away back to their old routine. Keep their gym membership. Some people will sign up for the gym membership and just never show up at the gym. Keep the gym membership all year long thinking, one of these days I might go back to the gym. Don't raise your hand if that's been you, but some of you are smiling and looking around a little bit. I might go back someday. I, I, 
need to be delivered from our lethargic attitude. Amen? Amen. In the natural. In the spiritual, we have people that will sign up and become a member of the church or adhere themselves to a church, get saved, get comfortable, and then drift back into the same behaviors that they, got, that they were in when they came to Christ to begin with. The things that Jesus forgave them of, they left, they got comfortable, they went back to them, and now they have a church membership and bondage. You want to know something interesting about a gym? A gym membership doesn't do you any good if you don't go. Oh no, preacher's going to preach at us about church attendance. No, I'm going to do that next week. But I will say this. I will actually, but I will say this. Well, let me ask you this question. I'll ask you again next week, but how many of you have ever experienced the presence of God in a church service before? Raise your hand. Thank you for being at church today. How many of you were, were saved as a result of being in a church service? Raise your hand. How many of you have experienced the Holy Spirit in some capacity, whether baptized in the Holy Spirit or other forms, in a church service before? Raise your hand. Enough stinking said. It ain't going to help you if you're not here. If you don't come... And I'm going to tell you this, that the devil is going to find every possible distraction on the face of the earth in 2016 to destroy every one of you that raised your hand or shook your head a few minutes ago that said, I want to be further along in Christ next January than I am in this January. Be sure, child of God, that they will send every distraction your way. Every kid activity, every school activity, every work opportunity, sickness, anything that there can possibly be to get you to stay in bed and not come and see people saved and experience the presence of God and see the Holy Spirit moving. And, and, and Listen, anything. There's always going to be something to distract, pull you away, or keep you away. Why is that? Because there's an enemy that knows that your, your membership to this club right here is going to cause you to get comfortable and you will drift away and pick stuff up again. I'm not telling you church is the be-all, end-all of your salvation. I have always encouraged people, if you have an opportunity for a vacation with your family, you go. If you have an opportunity to do ministry with your family, you go. You don't have to be here every week. But bless God, please don't take that to bring in every activity under the sun that Pastor Bob approves that I can go with this and little Johnny and little Susie have to have. They've got to be in every volunteer AAU sport an activity or else they won't get a scholarship what about heaven don't you want your kids to experience the salvation don't you want them to experience the presence of God don't you want them to experience the Holy Spirit you're focusing on, on about a 20 year lifespan where they can play sports versus eternity Some of us need to be delivered from the influence and the pressure of the world thinking that we've got to be super parents. Stop it, man. We can super parent our children all the way to hell if we want to. Wow, pastor's really fired up this year, isn't he? Oh, it, it'll wane off, don't worry. Some of us 
Some of us have have had intentions of following Christ. We've been saved. We've been blessed. You know, every year in January, we have the same conversation in our board meeting, our January board meeting. We have it every year. Just had it this last Tuesday. We go through the annual church membership and uh, uh, those who are considered active and those who are considered inactive. And we have to go through and we move some to active that have been inactive because they hadn't been here forever. And then others that, you know, haven't been here forever, we have to move them to inactive. You know there's people on that list that haven't darkened the doors of this church for decades and decades. And you go through it every year and it's like, this is ridiculous. Why are we still having them on here? And then a few years back, it's been probably 10, 15 years ago, I don't know how long ago now, we sent out a bunch of letters to them and said, hey, if you, want to, if you don't want to be a part of the church anymore, just let us know and we'll take your name off membership, trying to do it in the right way. Do you know that a few people responded and said, we would like to be left on the membership because this was their home church and they've moved away and they have family here and that, oh, that's fine. We have no problem with that. But there are people that said they didn't even bother to respond. They just threw it in the trash, never responded to anything. Thanks. So you took a commitment to attend, took a commitment to pray for your pastor and the ministries of the church. You you took a commitment to support and tithe and offering. You took a commitment to support by uh, working in ministry and serving in some capacity of the church. And you you can't even send back a letter asking whether you would like your name left on. See, we all have this tendency. I'm sure the gyms feel this way in about March and they say, where'd everybody go? You know, listen, church, I'm saying all this with the deepest love because this pressure is on me. I, I, I don't want to be one of those pastors that looks around and sees his congregation falling apart all over because people lack commitment to Christ. God never intended for us to live our lives in immaturity. If you will, look in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 4, just real quick. I promise I'm not going to berate you forever this morning. Some of you think, Pastor Bob's really mean this morning, don't you? I got it in me. I do. <laughs> I do have it in me, but I don't not intentionally. I promise. I don't want to be mean. But look at Galatians chapter 4. What I am saying in verse 1, he says, "What I am saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate." Speaking of a child that that one day when he grows up in maturity, that the estate will become his. It's going to be there. It's there for him. But right now, he's living in immaturity. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by the Father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. Paul changes and shifts here and goes into a spiritual mindset. And he says, and he compares an heir who is, who is waiting for his inheritance, and he compares it to those of us who are children spiritually... When we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. Now, a child is a slave in the basic principle of the world because a child can't own anything. He's immature. But spiritually speaking, when we are immature and children, we are going to be bound by the same principles of the world. No authority. No ownership. No overcoming. Verse 4, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. 
And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who, who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? What Paul is pointing out here is he says, look, you're, you're stuck with this. God set you free by his spirit, Jesus Christ. You were set free. And these people said, I want to go back now and hold on to my old religious traditions instead of continuing in the one that set me free from my sin. I want to hold on to that which is dead. I want to hold on to that which cannot save me. Basically, it's this. People who are full of sin full of bondage, bound by lusts, by thieves, by liars, by you name it, they were full of it. Needed Christ, received Christ, set free by Christ. And then, once they were set free, began to dabble back in the very stinking things they were set free from. And they decided that this religion was way more comfortable. Listen to me, folks. Walking in and out of the doors of this church is not going to get you into heaven. Walking in and out of these doors and sitting in these pews is not going to change your life one bit except for making it easier for you to take a nap on a Sunday afternoon. That's all it's going to do. It's not going to do you, do you any good. You say, I don't know, Pastor, I was at church. I heard something. Listen, if you go into a gym, you take your gym membership, and all you do is go in, and you put on all the stuff that makes it look like you belong to the gym. You put on your spandex shorts and your spandex top, and you walk in. Some of you got a picture you don't like right now, do you? You walk into the gym and all you do is sit down and watch everybody else work out for an hour. You put on your clothes and walk back home and you leave completely unaffected. Is it doing you any good? No. It's the same way. You can come in and out of these doors of this church if you have an immature mindset toward Christ and you don't care about growing, you just want the religious activity of being here and gone, being here and gone. It is going to affect your life Zero. You have got to be engaged. You've got to get involved. You can't just come and watch everybody else have church. You've got to have church. Amen? You've got to sing. You've got to worship. You've got to pray. You've got to open your Bible. You've got to listen. You've got to be engaged. If you're not engaged, you are wasting your time, sir or ma'am. If you have no intention of living this life out tomorrow or Tuesday or Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, then forget Sunday. you got no business being here week in, week out unless you come to get saved. Some of us need to be delivered from that mindset. Some of us that need it aren't here today to hear this message. I told our Wednesday night crowd here this last Wednesday, some of you might be offended for me saying this, I had somebody come to me a year or so ago and say, Pastor, I began to reach out to this person in the community because by evidence of their life and their family's life, all of them are absolutely lost, and I began to reach out to them and minister to them, invited them to church, and they said, oh, we go to the first assembly over here at Covington. So they're your people, Bob. I said, you know what? We all got them. I don't go to church. Church is full of hypocrites. Okay. It's full of pews and 
carpet and preachers and other people too, but saved people come to church too. Wow. It, honey, it didn't come out this hard in the first service, did it? <laughs> it just didn't come out like this in the first service. I don't know what's happening, but I'm not angry. I promise I'm not angry. Other than the Bengals, that was worthless last night. That made me angry. I'm not angry this morning. I'm not angry at you. I'm angry at what the devil does to people's lives. And I love you enough. If, there was, if you were standing out there and there was, a, there was a giant dog ready to pounce on you, I'd yell and scream all I could, get that dog away from you. And bless God, if it didn't, I would either shoot it, tackle it, or bite it myself. But, but I, please understand, I'm not angry. I love you. And I don't want you to spend an eternity in hell. I don't want you to get confused and lost and lose your family along the way. I don't want you to give up. I love you, and I don't want that with you. Hebrews 6 says this, verses 1 and 2, Therefore let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Listen, childhood... Childhood is adorable, but perpetual childhood is deplorable. Little Micah is a little over a year old, comes to my house, and, and he, he can toddle now, and he likes to reach things that he's not supposed to reach. And we have these things set out that are purties that he's not supposed to touch. So we say this a lot, no. And I don't know why your head goes up, but you always do. Everybody does not no. No. No, no. And then he'll pull his hand back and then he'll look at you and start to reach anyway. That's cute at 13, 14 months. Amen? But if they're 25 and they're still doing that, we failed him or he's failed himself somewhere along the line. Amen? No. What? (laughs) Stupid. Don't do that. But yet we have people, Paul talks about in another place in Hebrews where he's saying, hey, look, he said, right now you should be eating meat, but I have to feed you milk. You should be teachers by now. Why is that? Why is it that we are not all at a place of maturity and leadership where we become now disciples who make disciples? Why is that not happening? Well, as a pastor, I have to ask those questions that I asked early on because if I'm not seeing those things, then I have a responsibility to do something to help us find an avenue to get there. If, if you're not seeing those things in your life, then we're going to have to stop and say, why am I not seeing these things in my life? Why am I not strong enough to disciple someone else? Why am I not reaching out to minister to others? That's what God's plan for you is. To strengthen you and get you to a place where you lead others. I'm going to have Alyssa come to the piano. So we have these two options. We have, we have those who need Jesus. And we have those who found Jesus. And they've caught on some stuff. In our culture, we're born a little baby. We are not hatched, I promise you. Come out an innocent, healthy little baby, little happy baby. I've been thinking a lot about Frank and Belinda and you guys' family with Ryan and Sam and how awesome that little baby is going to be to come into this world. Isn't that going to be awesome? It's going to be great. Samantha put a picture of her belly on Facebook the other day and I just sit there and grinned. I've never been so happy to see a big belly in my life. That, little, that couple who they've lost so many babies and, 
And now, man, this is going to be awesome, isn't it, Belinda? It's going to be great. That little baby is going to come into this world just like all of us have. And, and, and uh, it's going to come in here perfect, sinless. The psalmist said, surely from my mother's womb, I was sinful. You know, a little baby can't sin. But what the psalmist was saying there, David was saying is, from my earliest memory, from the earliest that I can ever remember, there was sin in my life. There was a desire for rebellion. There was a desire for disobedience. It was easier to follow that than to follow God. And so we're born into the world like this, clean, perfect. But then life happens and we get exposed to things and even from an early age we we start to find out that there's some stuff in the world that isn't so good. And we start taking part in things that you name it. Lust, lying, stealing. Pretty soon doesn't matter. I mean, we're we who is clean? We know we have this and we like to hide this. We don't want to we don't like people to see it. But because we're his creation, he can see right through all of our coverings and everything else. A person would build their life up and fill it up and fill it up with this stuff and, and ultimately come to the decision that says, you know what, maybe I'll just go to church and that'll be good enough. If I can just go to church, then, then God will fix it all. And what we see is, is that when we go to church, it doesn't necessarily fix it. We can try to put religious things in our lives and think that that's going to be a good thing, but reality of it is, is it really only exposes further what the issue is, doesn't it? I see better what I am. Want to drink? You don't want to drink that? Well, then don't judge God for His high standards. Amen? This isn't good enough for you. But yet our culture likes to say, well, God's too judgmental. God's too harsh. God's... Listen, God's made an offer. He said, listen, I will receive you, uh, but I'm not going to receive you like that. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, in the world. We know the story. I, I, as I look over the congregation, I know nobody's ignorant of this today. Jesus Christ was sent into this world to save sinners, which I am the worst. But He didn't save us this way. He don't come to church and just put more religion in us and more religion in us.